0: Welcome to episode 32 of the Press Forward podcast. I'm Nathan Wrigley, and I'd like to thank you again for joining us. And if this is your first time with us, I hope that you like it, and that you find it useful. I should probably start by saying Happy New Year. Myself and the entire WPN Up team are wishing you a healthy and enjoyable year. We release the Press Forward podcast each week and we'd love it if you added it to your list of favourite podcasts, the ones that you consume regularly. You can do that by subscribing to us on your favourite podcast player. This can be done by going to wpnup.org forward slash podcast dash feed. Today we're going to be talking to Tim Nash, but before that Let me tell you a little bit about why we're making this podcast. The Press Forward podcast is created by WP and Up. If you've heard this podcast before, then you'll know about their mission. But if you're new here, then let me take a little bit of time to explain. WP and Up are a non-profit working in the WordPress space. They are here to offer support and mentorship to anyone who feels that they may need it. The confines of that support are wider than you might expect. Along with supporting mental health related issues, you might not know that WP and Up also try to assist with other areas too. Broadly speaking, we have four health hubs – mental health, as I just mentioned, physical health, business health and skills health. But what does all that mean? I think that the physical health is perhaps the most obvious, but what are business and skills health? Well, business is about supporting you and your business. You might be facing a new challenge in your business too much or too little growth working to create new processes the list could be truly endless but it's likely that someone has been there before you and worked through a similar problem and their mentorship might be just what you need to get yourself back on the right path skills health is about the specific skills that you need to carry out your job that could be a specific wordpress issue or finding out about how to keep up with the ever-moving world of technology. At its core, it's about sharing and linking you up with people who can support you at a time that you need it. This support is free to use, but I'm sure that you will understand that WP&OP have costs to bear. For that reason, we're always on the lookout for people who are willing to donate to this important work. Your donations would be most welcome. If you're able to help WP and Up, then please visit wpnup.org forward slash donate thank you and so on to the podcast proper today as i said we hear from tim nash tim works for 34sp a hosting company based in the united kingdom over the years tim has been incredibly active in the wordpress community He's been involved in multiple ways online, but has also been a regular attendee at WordCamps. The podcast today focuses upon an episode in Tim's life which occurred in 2017. He had a panic attack which changed his life considerably in the space of just a few minutes. We talk about the events that led up to that moment and how Tim has adapted his life as a result, so this is a trigger warning. That we will be touching upon the subject of panic attacks throughout this episode. It's a wonderfully honest episode, and you'll get a real insight into what Tim went through. Perhaps this episode will be useful for someone that you know, and if that's the case, please feel free to share it with them. And so, without further ado, here's Tim Nash.
1: My name is Tim Nash. I am the WordPress platform lead for a managed WordPress host. 34SP's been around since 2000. I joined them in 2015. That would have been my first WordCamp with them. But I've been involved with WordPress since many, many years. I've been there organizing WordPress leads for over 10 years. So it's been a long time. I remember WordPress before there were things.
0: I've met Tim in real life albeit very briefly at a couple of wordcamps in the UK. He's a terrific public speaker. On both the occasions that I've seen his talks, it was internet security that he chose as his preferred subject. I assumed, therefore, that security was the hat that he normally wears at 34SP. But perhaps he has more hats. Perhaps there's greater depth to his role there. It is one of
1: the many. It's probably the one that I'm most known for within the WordPress community, particularly here in the UK, because I it tends to be my pet subject at WordCamps and my day-to-day job includes an awful lot of security, but it's not exclusively. I'm ultimately responsible for the managed platform as a whole, but as is always the way with these things, any sort of hosting security is the number one concern these days with performance and then uh, making everything nice and simple coming up straight behind it.
0: Although this podcast could get into the fascinating subject of internet security, and I for one would have loved to have had that conversation with Tim, we had a different agenda for this episode, and so that's where we're heading now. If you want to fully embrace this topic, and you have a few spare minutes, it might be worth your while pausing this podcast and heading over to a blog post that Tim published early in 2019. You can find this at wpnop.org forward slash Tim. That post is called I'm not okay, but that's all right. And it deals with the subject of Tim's mental health, and particularly a specific moment in the recent past where his life took a dramatic turn due to a panic attack.
1: That article, while published in February, probably was written closer to... October, maybe even September the previous year. It was written in its first form as a, an explanation to friends and colleagues as to why things had happened in the way that they did. And then it changed and morphed over time. At the original point, it was going to be pushed out for mental health month. And I thought, oh, I can do this launch at the same time. And then, that got sort of pushed back and then other things happened. But then I went ahead and we were doing. A mental health clinic at wordpress leads and i gave a talk and thought well that talk was really based on this article though they got published in the other order and i thought well i've done the talk now let's do the article and it's a bit of a rip off the bandage and then I almost said look i've done this article but it should be taken in isolation it shouldn't be me and tried very hard to almost just dis- not disown it because it is still part of me but sort of put it to one side and went right that's it done I'm moving on now it succeeded so well that I on a mental health podcast
0: we'll get into the story from that article in a short while but I was curious as to whether Tim has stories about his journey with mental health going back further in time
1: as a, a sort of human being I am quite a up and down sort of person anyway that doesn't mean that I'm uh, manic. It's just that I have good days, I had bad days, and I always could tend towards moody days if I, uh, I didn't pay attention to it. Over the years, I just put that down to, hey, you're a human. This is what people do. These people have bad days. People have good days. So I never had anything that would be considered a panic attack or anxiety. Though, whenever I went to do anything with great levels of stress, obviously, I had a, a quite a large buildup of anxiety. But I always considered that to be normal. And I still genuinely think it is, but obviously there's no such thing as actually normal human beings are a a range of things. And if one person's intense and utter stress and can be somebody else's, I can take this in my stride for exactly the same activity yet that person who took something in their stride that moment, 20 minutes later, something utterly simple to somebody else became completely unobtainable because it was just too much for them. So it's worth always keeping that in mind. And therefore, my perfectly normal might have been terrible. And I just don't know it. I don't think it was I think it was a normal, perfectly normal person. And then I got ill. I have no scary childhood. There's no sort of tracking things back. It's not the sort of episode where you'd be talking this to a counsellor or a therapist. Yeah, more medical based.
0: If you had a chance to pause and read Tim's article, great. If not, I'm going to paraphrase it very briefly. In 2017, Tim was taking some medication for arthritis. This medication had begun to work and had seemingly restored Tim's depleted energy levels. WordCamp Edinburgh was taking place at this time and 34 SP were in attendance. Tim was, as he describes it, bouncing off the wall. After the event ended and the team were waiting at the train station, things took a very sudden turn. I asked him to share with us the details leading up to that moment.
1: For years before, I had been feeling the exact opposite, completely lethargic. I constantly felt like I had a cold, I constantly felt like I was down and I just couldn't recover. Every time there was a bout of flu, there was anything coming along, I got it to the point that I went to the doctor's multiple times in pneumonia. because you know, coughing up blood is a normal, perfectly normal thing to happen, which is weird for somebody, you know, who's otherwise healthy, but I was run down and I was not feeling well. It took a long time and I had another WordCamp, oddly enough. So WordCamp in London in 2015, the week before WordCamp London, my hands swelled up. And when I mean they swelled up, both my hands became balloons and I couldn't move my arm above my shoulder. I was just, you know, I had a cold, but my arms would not go above my shoulder. I couldn't drive, which was very awkward because I was bringing down the van full of word camp stuff and then and a mini bus full of people, which I couldn't do. So one of my colleagues had, who had never driven a large vehicle with multiple people in it had to do instead. She did not enjoy that experience, and I felt so sorry for her as as I had to sit in the passenger seat and basically just tell her it's going to be okay. She's driving up in the dark, terrified. She did a brilliant job. I was at that work camp with non-functioning hands. That's weird and strange and unusual. So I I managed to convince the doctor that this is definitely more than just flu. And that's so this is 2015. This is several years earlier. And I got told I had something called viral arthritis, which is basically after you have a a cold, you get arthritis like symptoms and that's that it will go away. And it did over the next sort of year and a half to two years, random joints would get inflamed and I would feel really poorly. Eventually I managed to convince somebody to actually let me see a rheumatologist who are people who specialize in sort of joints. And I was diagnosed with something called palindromic arthritis, uh, which is fairly rare. It's the best and worst kind of arthritis. Most people who suffer arthritis, it continues to get worse. And it's permanent. You know, joint swells up, you get arthritis in your fingers. And you have good days and bad days, but the arthritis is always there in your fingers. Palindromic arthritis, it chooses its joints at random. It will then inflame and seize them up. Uh, you get all the fun of the pain and all the bits. And then uh, sometimes hours, normally days later, the inflammation goes and there's no visible signs of it and your joints work again, but it can be any joint. One day it can be your toes. The next it can be your jaw. The next it can be your fingers, a shoulder, even your hip. So while it's the best in the terms that it doesn't leave long-term damage, at least it's much slower to build up that damage. You're talking many years, not just months to years. It is the most awkward because sometimes you have to wake up and try to explain to somebody your jaw's not working, which is an interesting conversation to not have. The good news is palindromic arthritis is normally there's a really high success rate in curing it. Because basically uh, both uh, rheumatoid arthritis, palindromic arthritis, they're an autoimmune disease. So basically your immune system has gone on the war path and it's sort of just ready to fight something, Only it probably originally started fighting a cold or something, and it doesn't know it stopped. It's got no way of turning that off. So carries on fighting ultimately with itself, hence why you have the lethargy and feeling ill, because it turns out that if you're constantly uh, running around trying to fight things, your body naturally just starts to neglect itself and fall to bits. So the solution, the normal course of action, is to give you a course of steroids. This basically pushes everything up and tries to resettle your immune system and sort of even the playing field. This is what they gave me just before WordCamp Edinburgh. So this was my sort of first course of, of steroids. And it was amazing. You've got to bear in mind that for four years plus, I had been run down, lethargic, I guess most people in the wordpress community had met me as this sort of person who was trying to be friendly and energetic but obviously most of my time i was there going i'm tired i need to rest i don't need i don't really so i must have come across as very grumpy and moody and so I, my personality probably changed quite dramatically because for the first time in years i was happy and had lots of energy and could do things and my joints were not hurting because the steroids worked so when yeah, when it came to WordCamp Edinburgh itself, I was bouncing around the walls. And a combination of that is probably that I just had lots of energy. But I was also going climbing up to the towards the top of a cliff. And hindsight's nice and easy. You always know that when somebody reaches the top of a cliff where they're going next. But I didn't know that at the time, as far as I was concerned, I was in a good place.
0: I wondered if the doctor who Tim had seen had warned him about the possibility that he might begin to feel this way, and that he ought to be mindful about possible changes he could experience. To
1: be fair to them, they gave some warning, perhaps not quite, hey, by the way, you're about to go and get all this energy, happy days. From their perspective, this was either a, it will fix you or it will not, there was no and if it doesn't, we'll find another problem, another solution. And if it does fix you, I will never see you again. Yeah, other than told, probably not a good idea to mix alcohol with that lot. That was following the biggest warning. And good news, I didn't mix alcohol with it. I'm very thankful for that. Can you imagine if I'd added alcohol to the mix? It would have been a very, I was going to say entertaining, but probably not entertaining reactions. I wasn't running loops around the place. It's not, it's not like I was constantly moving, I, but I was. A lot more freer with my reactions. I was there, I was smiling a lot more. There was a lot more interaction with people. I didn't. I wasn't saying right. I'm off to bed now at half past eight. That side of things was theirs. for most people. I was probably just normal. That's ultimately what I was. But I was slowly but surely building up more exciting, excitable energy. I wrote like six blog posts in our Airbnb while everybody else was asleep. That seemed like the normal thing that I could used to do. Obviously the reality is I never could do that, but that's not how your brain works. Your brain just goes, ah, oh, this must be the new normal.
0: As Tim said, with the benefit of hindsight, he might have seen what was about to happen. But that's not the way life works. The WordCamp was over and it was time to go home. His new normal was anything but.
1: we just walked down from the Airbnb, uh, myself and several of my colleagues, uh, we had Bags. Uh, We were splitting because I live in North Yorkshire. They live in uh, Manchester. So we were splitting, parting ways because we're getting different trains back. And they were literally looking at the big boards that tell you what time trains are. And I was just leaning against some rails, listening, but I started to realize I wasn't listening, that everything was starting to feel like it was coming and crushing inwards. The station was still there. People were still doing things, but I was both simultaneously there, not there and feeling very anxious about the fact that there were lots of voices and lots of noise. And I was becoming hypersensitive to everything that was around. And I started to notice my breathing had gone from a normal sort of breathing pattern to hyperventilating and then I started phasing properly out where I knew stuff was happening around me, but no longer could tell you what individual people or things was happening. And I knew that I couldn't move my hands or arms or anything that I just was stuck inside me for a little while. From the outside, my colleagues obviously turned around to find me not talking to them and communicating at all. And I'd gone completely rigid. As it happens, I was leaning against something. So I had slid to the floor and they did the right thing and grabbed, I think then, I think it was a police woman, but it might've been one of the paramedics that go around large stations. But they, they grabbed someone quite quickly and said, uh, he's not, he's not doing so well over. I don't know what the period of time was, but it was, it was minutes into, we were getting to the point where they were talking about the person who was dealing with me was very much at the stage of, look, I'm going to have to get an ambulance to get him to hospital because he's completely not responsive when I started to come back around. And by background, I just mean, because throughout all of this, I was conscious. I knew what was happening. I mean, distantly, but I knew what was happening. I could see what was happening. It wasn't clear in focus. It was like when you wake up in the morning and, you know, your eyes are a bit fuzzy. It was still there. I still knew what was going on. And... I slowly, but surely came back around and then came out of it. And within sort of 10, 15 minutes, while I was shaken as anything, and my heart was completely racing, I was back to being normal-ish, but that incident sort of triggered and started the change in life since, in many ways. And that's the first time I can go bump there. That's the point where things change.
0: The narrative that we've been through seems to lead to the conclusion that steroids were the main culprit in Tim's panic attack, and I want to clear that up. So I asked whether this was in fact the case. Were the steroids unquestionably the reason that all this happened?
1: Uh, No. So most people, when they think of steroids and steroids abuse, the common thing they refer to is something called Cushing's syndrome, which is... Basically, uh, that's whenever you hear hear about weightlifters taking steroids and then ending up not being able to lift their weights and uh, having panic attacks. That particular thing is called Cushing's syndrome, uh, which I'm not an expert on. Beyond very difficult for them to lift things and you struggle with a lot of strength aspects. I was tested for Cushing's syndrome a long time later and didn't show signs of it, but it's more like that it was a reaction, as it was explained to me by the rheumatologist. It was more like it was a reaction to the fact my body levels and just chemically all the things suddenly became unbalanced or rather rebalanced in a certain way. And that was the most likely response. The short term version of that was everybody went, Well, guess what? We're going to not prescribe you any more steroids for the time being. That didn't go so well. Let's take you off those and not try that again. So I was taken off the steroids. I was nearish the end of the course anyway, and the hope is you don't, you can't stay on steroids for long periods of time. So the hope was that that one course would fix me. It was a jolt to try and rebalance my body and it works normally. So one of the things I, I think in that post, I very much push is that if you're in a scenario and anybody who comes across that post who reads. Oh, I've been described with palindromic arthritis, oh, I'm not going to take steroids. The answer in that post is very clear, you take them, because it was such a rare and unusual thing, even if it was the steroids, that you should still take them, because in so many cases they almost certainly will fix it, it's just in my case they didn't.
0: As we have heard, this was a very significant moment in Tim's life. The way he describes the actual event sounds like he was able to behave in his usual way within a matter of minutes. But I wanted to know if this moment was more of a watershed for him than that. Has it had a longer impact upon him?
1: I would say so. Yeah, a change in attitude very much happened at that moment anyway. The steroids were kicking in and saying, "Okay, that didn't work. I'm going to have to deal with the fact that I have this condition for want of a better word and it has to be dealt with anyway but obviously when the zeros didn't work that lethargic state came back that fight body fighting came back and that was really hard to accept because i just had this albeit with a bad ending great period where everything was fine and then it wasn't again i was back to the old normal now i knew that the old normal wasn't right i couldn't then jump back, if that makes sense. So I'm I'm a lot better on today from where I was then, and I'm on medication that helps significantly now. But that sort of bashing around of the head that, hey, no, actually you can't have that happy steroid life. You can't be in that happy place sort of triggered the bit. So it's probably the after effects and the realization that, no, I'm not going to be instantly fixed. That was the real trigger for a lot of the, depression side that came afterwards, I started getting nightmares. They started struggling to sleep. And when people talk about nightmares, most people don't sort of explain what they, what a nightmare is to them. But, um, I have a small child I was ha- who's perfectly healthy and normal. And I was having nightmares about going to her funeral over and over and over. And it so things like that then start to build out and it cascades. If you have a bad night's sleep you're not alert, you're not awake, then you get scared about going to sleep. So you stay up even. and this all passed through. I started getting what you might call more traditional panic attacks where I would suddenly not be able to do something where I would have to, I just, I wouldn't go phase out completely, but I'd start hyperventilating. I would start just really struggling to be able to move forward. And that whole sort of nature became normal. And yeah, I just started withdrawing myself. I always got worried about Obviously it was a lot harder to be with friends and family and just generally I I pulled myself completely away and and pulled much more into myself um, for a a long period of time. And it's taken a long time to come out of that shell. I became very good at hiding that in public because throughout all of this, I was a fairly public figure within the WordPress community. I, I was still giving talks. I was still at this point my job was going, was and is going around user groups. So I was going into user groups. I was engaging with people. Um, I watched this. Uh, it's had someone describe me as the uh, loudest introvert they ever knew, and because my natural instinct is very, particularly during that time, was very introverted. But I was still doing an extrovert's job. But that just made me very good at lying to myself and to others because I get asked, "How are you?" and I would go. I'm fine, which is okay to somebody in the street, maybe. But I'd do that to everybody. Did you sleep okay, honey? Yeah, of course I did. Why do you think I didn't? But that, that even though that doesn't sound like a bad thing, because you're just sparing people, meant that that just compounded. And so when I was ratty and grumpy and angry with the world, it came out of the blue and made no sense. So people just sort of went, well, what, what's wrong with him? Why, why is he suddenly acting like that?
0: I found what Tim just said really fascinating, and I'm sure that many of us can really identify with what he just said. He was taking the approach that, in order to protect others and himself, it was simply easier to say that everything was okay, when really, it's not. Adopting this tactic has a few consequences. It protects you from having to face further questions, and also, in a sense, it's trying to shield other people around you, trying to not burden them with the worries that you're carrying around. I asked him if this was a tactic which he still adopts.
1: I've very much now adopted a new plan, a new new world view, which is very much the, I'm not okay, that's okay, I need to, I, that's all right, and I can talk to you about it if you need me to, but you can just know that I'm not always going to be okay. If I keep telling everybody I'm I'm fine, then the response is always, it's just going to compound. and I need to occasionally tell somebody, no, actually I'm not fine, but that's okay. You don't need to be the person I have to burden this on, but just know that I'm, I'm not fine today, which is work. I've come up with ways to handle my situation better as I am also on my medication works quite well. One in four people with arthritis suffer some sort of mental health disorder and the vast majority is depression.
0: So Tim has changed the way that he talks to others about how he's doing. It's a more honest approach and one that appears to be working well. I wondered though if there were any other parts of his life that he's amended.
1: I've managed to get myself a safety net group of friends, family who know what I'm going through and can help out. I I belong to a small group of people, which all met actually through WP and up. We meet every couple of weeks and chat through things. And that's been a massive benefit. That's not in the base because that came much later. But yeah, I took some sort of evaluating of life and how I could deal with things based on sort of priorities, which was my daughter and then working our way outwards. And also took the the view that, okay, just because the illness triggered this, it's got to be my lifestyle that's causing it. Um, so if I can make changes and do the right changes, then I can have everything that I want and be normal, inverted commas. So I have still terrible times when I went to publish that post the weekend before I, I had, I crashed. We were meant to record a podcast in May on this and I couldn't do it. Literally again, day before I crashed. So I'm not the not the uh, guru who's fixed it all, should we say. But I have managed to do some things and change some things, one of which was to change my work-life balance. My job is good. it pays the bills. This is an important thing. Actually, my employer's been really great, not just as employers, but as friends, to make sure that I am okay. But that said, I used to sit on Slack quite happily into the evening, at weekends and I would dive off and two things and I would take everything as a priority. And so now it's very much, okay, I've worked set hours and I prioritize based on to do lists and not necessarily what somebody asked me to do this very second. And so I, that sounds really obvious and really simple, but actually saying, no, nope, I choose the priority and th- things get done. Obviously my boss says do this now, then that gets done now because, you know, he pays my bills and I'd quite like him to continue to do so. But on the whole, that's much more structure of saying, you no, know, not everybody has the right to just say, do this, do this, do this and push it it. People can certainly ask and I can put on the list and prioritize it, but it, it gives me that control. Likewise, I, I, I used to do try and do lots of things for lots of people. I used to, particularly in the WordPress community, I, I, I was an active moderator on WordPress.org. Oh, helped moderate and still moderate the UK Slack channel. I was doing X, I was going to user groups, I was running user groups. It all got a little bit too much. So now I've very much stepped back a lot and just said, I'm always hit help, but I can't be, for one of, I think I used the term, I can't be a champion for everyone. So I very much now go, when someone says, this is a great idea, I go, yes, go do it and tell me how you'd like me to help you fix it which I I guess is a huge change just in general. But the biggest sort of thing for me was that I realized that if I could build routines and build my life into sets of routines, then I would survive it. And sometimes when you're crashing, that's all you need to do. You need to just survive. And then once you've survived it, you can get back and get back to it. And then it could be treated as something in isolation that you can control and maintain. And when I'm talking about surviving in simple routines, I have a, uh, a morning routine list that is, I have two, I have one, which is my normal morning routine, which has all sorts of things on it. And then I have the, you're, you're not having a good time. You're crashing routine, which I can switch to. I have a, a, an app called Todoist and I can set it up so that it's basically, this is going to bug me every 15 minutes until I tell it that, yes, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. And when I'm crashing, my morning routine is as simple as get up, which is a thing that I have to say, yes, I got up. Yes. I went and did a shower. Yes. I brushed my teeth. That sounds trivial. Do you not know how hard that something like that could be until you in that sort of say, yes, I got dressed in you know, brackets, maybe in clean clothes. Uh, that's a, that's an optional extra, but it was a good, it's, it's a good, good idea. Take medication because for getting your meds. Is something that seems to happen far more when you, when you're not paying attention to things, it just, it sounds such a simple thing to build on, but having that little routine in place. And then when I'm going outside of that, I've really adopted this whole, everything's in a to-do list. If I want something, if I want to do something, then I will add it to, to a to-do list, I have spaces in there for have time to myself and bits and a lot of if you go on sort of the youtube and look around for productivity bits a lot of what i've done is just to optimize for productivity but it's more about building in safety safety nets and control mechanisms that ultimately i still control but i then can have that structure and organization that i perhaps didn't have before even if it's just structure over my own life which i think is an important thing but it can often be mistaken to being being a control freak or having not being flexible. But when you're midway through having a bad period, the last thing you want to do is give up that control to somebody else. And sometimes I need something to tell me, "Oi, get out of bed. One of the things I have done is, is made sure that other people can sort of give enough input to say, you should be on a, a bad day list, not a good day list as well. So that there is a little bit of feedback there to say, you know, you're not doing so well, especially when it comes to things like uh, mood tracking and journaling, it's whether or not you, you saw well and good me putting those things down, but sometimes I can think I'm doing brilliantly. People around me are going, what the, it's going wrong with Tim today. It's making sure that everybody is in sync because if everybody's in sync, then it doesn't really matter. Well, if somebody thinks I'm doing brilliantly when I'm having a really bad day, then something's gone wrong with communication between us. And likewise, if I'm having a good day and everybody thinks I'm having a bad time, then I'm portraying something wrong or there really is something wrong that I'm perhaps not recognising. So getting that communication has been perhaps the hardest because it means people have to be honest or, as with me as much as with uh, others. So the phrase, "How are you? and how are you feeling? When I say I'm not doing great, that's got to be honest. And I can't get away with just saying, oh, I'm okay. But also in return, they have to be honest and say, no, we don't think you're doing great and it's affecting us. And that's a much harder conversation to have and requires much more from people around you who are willing to do that.
0: So Tim's approach is to have structure and systems in place so that he can direct himself down different pathways based upon how he's feeling in the morning. The process of checking things off in the phone app provides a framework upon which the day can be built around. Somewhat counterintuitively, the app is not in control here. Tim is. During moments of clarity, it was Tim who wrote the instructions to his future self, instructions that he knew he was going to need. The app is just a container for his own instructions, a vessel to remember what it is that he knows he needs to tell himself.
1: That this is free will. To accept that i'm going to obey a, an ai overlord in my phone for so that that's my opportunity to give my own little bit of free will before i'm forced into it it gets tweaked it gets changed Stuff still happens around it it is very much the equivalent of uh, i know some people who have dementia put a little video together that basically says hi your name is so and so and You you don't realize it now, but you've suffered from dementia and here's your day. And this is what the person next to you is your husband and that sort of thing. And this is pretty much the equivalent. This is, hi, this is Tim from the past and future telling you it's going to be okay. Just do this list. We'll deal with the rest of it later. We'll get you through this bit and then you can proceed to fix the problem, whatever that might be. On good days, everything is macro. Tasks are still there. The to-do list is still there. It's just the to-do list is more macro. good days and it's more micro on bad days.
0: One of the things that Tim mentions in his article is his approach to getting enough rest. He's become very keen to get into a good routine in which he rises early and turns in early too.
1: I made a conscious decision. I get up at half five, partly because there's a of reasoning. I'm a morning person anyway. I've always liked the morning, but I, I also don't like the evening. And this way I get the maximum time with people and bits. So I get to do my stuff in the morning and I'm much more productive first thing. And during that period, I get to go to work and do the social interactions, come back, have tea, do bedtime routines and things, and then head to bed fairly soon afterwards. So I'm with a lot more time of my active part of my day is is with people. And there's not much time at the end of the day to dwell. Um, So for me, that works really well. It also happens that that does mean that if you wake up at the same time every day, not just Monday to Friday, that's Saturday and Sunday as well, your body goes, oh, it's half past eight. You're probably getting tired now. And if you try to go beyond sort of 10, half past 10, well, when you're getting up at half past five, you're just not good. You're going to be tired the next day. If you're going to do midnight, you're going to be very tired the next day. If you go to bed at one in the morning, then you're going to hate yourself the next day. But it only takes a few of those for you to start your body to go. You are going to bed now at a more reasonable time.
0: To end our conversation, I asked him if he was going to get to a stage where all the ups and downs were smoothed out, a life free of concerns, or is it more a case of taking the days one at a time?
1: There will always be ups and downs. I think the uh, the key point is that there is no real normal. I mean, that's right at the start. So I, you know, I crave that that normality that I thought existed that didn't really exist. And I'm not perfect. I'm never going to be perfect. Life isn't perfect. Life is always going to throw you curveballs that you hate. Life is always going to throw you things that are unpredictable and sometimes can be absolutely fantastic. I have no idea where I'm going to be in five years' time. I mean, I have generic plans that I hope to and targets to achieve, but achieving those targets doesn't make me perfect. It doesn't make me any more normal. It just means that I make the goal of being more comfortable and happier with the world by hitting me. I don't think there is a destination that you could ever send me to that would actually make the answer be, that's it, because then I'll lose some sort of drive Uh, The best, I guess, I can hope for is I want to get up every morning. And I know that sounds silly, but I actually do, most mornings, want to get up. And while I'm doing that, I'm doing okay. Okay.
0: One of the purposes of the Press Forward podcast is to lift the lid on topics that don't get talked about often enough. To allow people to share their stories so that others might listen. And by listening, they may gain an understanding that they're not alone. There are other people out there who have faced the same situations that you are facing. They have found a way through and can offer support to you on your journey. Maybe that person is already in your life. But they might not be, and that's what WPNUP is here for. To connect you with the support that you need. So if you're able to, please help us so that we can continue to support the WordPress community. You can donate at wpnup.org forward slash donate. That's it for this week. Please let us know if you're enjoying the podcast, if you're finding it useful or helpful. You can reach out to us at wpnoporg forward slash contact. Please spread the word about this podcast. Tell your friends and subscribe on your favourite podcast player. And remember that together we can hashtag press forward.